Give me a thumb. This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and we are here in January of 2024. So happy new year, everyone. Um, pretty excited about this year, actually, because uh, this is probably the first time in the history of Eat to Perform where I feel like we are, you know, we have every piece of the puzzle Um that you could possibly need to get the success that most people want. Um, for the longest time, you know, there's a lot that food can do, right? And then there is kind of the the next level. And so that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about here on this podcast. But first, I want to introduce my um, leader of our director of coaching here at Eat Form, Becky Avara. Becky, um, is probably the person that you want to get to know if uh, you ever want to become a coach for Eat to Perform. Becky, do you want to say hello to everyone? Hi, everybody, and Happy New Year. We're glad you're all here and ready to learn some cool stuff. So um, because this is a podcast, we do have to close um, people being able to talk on the podcast. So if you have a question make sure to get it in early because uh, what ends up happening is we end up, uh, you, you just have to use the chat at the bottom, but what ends up happening is we don't um, end up, uh, hold on one second, I need to pause. Um, we can resume. All right, sorry, The uh, someone walked in my door and I did not realize that someone was going to walk into my door. And so um, I apologize that uh, the podcast is going to get a little wonky here. But um, the uh, make sure to get your chat questions in early because what ends up happening is we start having these discussions and then all the questions come in at the end. I have a hard stop at uh, noon, which is 55 minutes from now. So kind of keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, the uh, it's kind of interesting going into the new year. Everybody's mind, um, my mind uh, changes to, you know, getting back on track. You know, the evolution of each reform over the course of many years has been incredible, right? Um the one consistent thing, though, is that summers get difficult and so do the holidays. Um, and I think we do some of our best coaching in that time period because many of you come from, you know, ways of dieting that are overly restrictive. And so there's a lot of guilt and things of this nature related to you know, um, this time of year that doesn't need to be there, right? Um, doesn't mean that you don't have a mini cut or we don't start a fat loss cycle or something like that. Um, and in a lot of ways, this time of year can really set up a fat loss cycle better than it would if, um, you know, you would come to us not dieting. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that guilt you know, a lot of that's unnecessary and, and not helpful, right? Because um, 
no one likes to have their weight be up a little bit. No one likes to, you know, feel like, oh, I haven't been to the gym and now I've got to go to the gym and it's really burdensome thing. Um, I know for myself, this time of year is actually um, exciting because one, I, I really like uh, what I do. Um, which, it, you know, I think most people know I'm kind of a pickleball addict at this point. But the one thing that I haven't done a great job um, with over especially the last year or so is just sticking to my resistance training regimen. There's an interesting thing that doesn't get talked a lot about. And I know we're, you know, we're going to talk specifically about the topics at hand. But because we had to sort of merge these two, um, there's it's going to kind of go in in various directions. But um, the the thing about bodybuilding or training for a specific physique is that when you are eating what you know we call performance or recomp macros, you have the potential to really change your body, right? Um, in that, you know, if you're working on lats, some of those food can go towards your lats and not to your waistline, right? Um, that's a big difference between um, what people do with resistance training and what people do with cardio, which I'm bringing this up to point out that I have not been doing that. And so therefore, you know, when there is some weight gain, you know, it's not going to, to the, to the right places. Right. And so when you look at a bodybuilder or a physique competitor, these are, this is all the basis for eat to form, right? This is all the things that many of you want to know is that when you are eating normal calories, you can actually push things towards making your glutes look better or your quads look better or things of this nature. But if you train exclusively cardio, right, you're essentially trying to create like this huge deficit that only really addresses um, fat loss in the way that that you're consuming the calories that you're eating. And I don't know if that makes sense to people or not. But, you know, I know for myself, with very little um, training of, of my chest or very little training of my, you know, quads, actually, quads are fine, weirdly, um, with pickleball, because you're squatting a lot. And things of that nature. So my, my quads are ridiculous right now. Um, so what that means is that I got to make sure that, you know, I'm doing my push-up regimen or I'm doing my pull-up regimen and those things allow my body to kind of use the, the, whenever there's excess, um, uh, food to use that for tissue that goes to the right places that allow my body to recomp the way that I would like it to recomp. So I think that that's something to consider when you are entertaining what you want to do, what you think is fun, what you enjoy. Um, it's okay 
to do some things that you don't necessarily enjoy, but does allow you to kind of stick to your plan as it relates to body recomposition or, or, or things of this nature. And, and I, I tell you, honestly, it's like when I get back on my resistance training regimen, you know, and, and like I said, you know, when I say a year, I mean, it's not like I went a whole year without doing any resistance training. It just wasn't as consistent as it can be. And that's what I'm looking forward to going into 2024. But I would like all of you to know that much of, you know, what you think about fat um, is, is kind of wrong, even in the scenario, right, where you're not on hormones or where you are just using food, you have a much more likely chance of repairing the tissue that you're breaking down with food when you're doing the right exercises, right? If you're just doing cardio, and I think most of you have seen that three picture of me where on the one hand, I'm, I'm 255 pounds and the middle one, you know, the only way that I can think to describe it is skinny fat that everybody knows. And then there is the resistance training. I can tell you from that picture, even at that point, my testosterone was fairly low, right? And so um, to make that big of a change, being low on testosterone, I think that should be enlightening for many of you because it can show you that that even when you're non-optimal, um, you can still make a lot of progress. Obviously, at that point, you know, it's kind of newbie gains. I hadn't lifted ever, you know, um, uh, really ever, you know. Um, I had done some lifting um the personal trainer i was working with um was too i want to say careful um like as an example i never deadlifted over 135 pounds um by the time that picture was taken um i was deadlifting at least 415 possibly up to 455 um, so, so these were things and, and deadlifting is one of the things that my body just naturally does well, right? I have long arms, a short torso. So when I deadlift, it's literally like four inches, you know, um, it, you know, to, just to come up to the waist, it's, it's not like this huge movement, like it is for, for other people. And then the people that like me who have a, you know, the genetics for deadlifting often struggle with squats, which is, you know, my same um, struggle. I have struggled a lot just to get to 350, um, which I know, I know some of these numbers are big for many people um, and maybe kind of, you know, um, take them away from the perspective they, they might want to have, but when you have a 500 and something deadlift, right. Having a 350 squat, you should at least be four or four Right. But unfortunately my genetics don't really allow for that. And then, you know, I think I wrote about this yesterday. Um, I was in a motorcycle accident. And so my right ankle is fused to my leg. 
And so that uh, that's also a deterrent. But um, the point of the article was to say that it, while it was a deterrent, it never stopped me. I'm most fit now than I ever really was, you know, um, other than maybe when I was in high school, you know. Um, so there is that. Okay, so let's get into, you know, one, I want to I want to get into any of the questions and observations that people have. Um, if you're doing e deform health, um, love to hear, you know, what your experiences have been um, and and how you feel now. I know early on, um, especially like for some of you ladies, it would be very common to be close to zero. And then it, uh, in terms of testosterone, so just using like a little bit would make you feel out of this world. And I know that um, Becky has some experiences that she can probably share with that also. Um, so speaking to hormone replacement, I'd be interested to hear what people's thoughts are related to it because I think what ends up happening is is that people go in with this mindset of I'm going to do this and this is the missing component and when they say missing component they often think missing component for weight loss when in reality it's probably more like the missing component for fat loss remember the conversation we just had where you're trying to move tissue you know, from your, from, you know, storage tissue and fat to more of a building tissue. Now, if you add hormone replacement, specifically testosterone, but not just testosterone, um, now you have the building blocks to actually make that progress, right? And so if you are pushing things, right, that was sort of the illustration I was making between my 135 pound deadlift, which wasn't changing me at all to my 500 pound deadlift where, you know, I just had like, you know, and still kind of have um, a pretty big back as a result of it. One thing that I think is interesting, I know I've mentioned on the podcast before, um, when you are our age, right, this is works for men and women, Um your muscle maturity happens between 35 and 42, right? Your body does have like this mechanism um, that does allow for you to kind of reach your genetic potential. Um, for instance, if your body wanted a certain amount of muscle and could gain that easily, you're probably going to be okay doing it with just a little bit of help, right? And that's sort of what, what hormone replacement does. Um, but you also need to be pushing things, right? So so that's the example of 135 compared to, to 500. Now, you're going to hit an upper window, right? And when you hit that upper window, you have to kind of make a decision at that point, what you want to do, right? Um because I want to say, so in the 15 years where my fitness journey has happened, um, I got as low as 149 pounds. I am currently 194 pounds. 
I have gained uh, 30 pounds of muscle in that time. So let's let's just do some simple math here. Um, if I was 8% at um, 149 at 180, I could roughly be in that same neighborhood. So at 194, you can assume that most of that is fat. So 14 pounds of fat on, let's just say 200. So that's seven pounds. So, so I sit at roughly um, about 15 to 17% at any time. Now, you know, your body evolves over time. You know, I think most people know that like the way the body fat works, it's, it's, it's not a, um, it's not a distinct number, right? You can't, you can't do it like I just did it. But what I do know is that I'm in the right ballpark, right? And, you know, being able to gain that amount of muscle over time. So, so why wouldn't I have just done it? You know, I was 8%, you know, I actually sat at about 152 to 155 for about two years. Um, and I just wasn't progressing, right? Um, at that time, uh, you know, like I said, my, um, you know, I spent the six months going crazy, getting all my strength numbers, some of those, um, numbers. Like I remember the first time I, you know, showed a video of 415 on my regular Facebook page. Uh, it did not look pretty. Um, by two years in, I was deadlifting 455 and it looked great, right? So some of the things that you're doing that might have a little bit of bad form right now, um, I mean, obviously you want to be really careful, but you also want to be able to push yourself. So it's a fine line, right? Um, but pushing yourself and kind of working on those muscles, I know for me, um, nothing helped my deadlift more than just pull-ups for size, right? Like being able to do a hundred pull-ups, um, helped my deadlift so much because it helped my grip. It allowed my lats to build. Um, you got to do the right pull-ups though. Um, you know, I see a lot of people doing limited range pull-ups and calling those pull-ups. That's fine. That's actually really good if you're trying to build biceps, but you know, doing a strict pull-up uses more muscle. So it'll it'll use all the way down to your lats. And Sarah's made multiple videos um, on how changing your grip and hands, all these things matter a lot as it relates to differing goals and engaging different muscles and all this kind of stuff. Some of those are the most popular videos that we've ever put out. So um, that tells me that the audience that is receiving that information doesn't know that um, or didn't know that before that video. And so I know she's done some for squats, but that's the, that's the same thing for pull-ups. Okay. So let's get into hormones. And I just want to, I just want to say that as it relates to hormones, um, I'm going to stay in my lane. Um, I'm going to give you my experience. Becky's going to give her, you her experience. Um, but there is a lot 
that I don't know about hormones because it's not my job to know about hormones, right? Um, I can tell you what my experience is. I can tell you what Becky's experience is. I can give you some ideas on um, what our client experience is. But all of you are going to react a little bit differently. Here is what I would say is the biggest thing related to hormones, if you're considering hormones as part of the solution. Hormones is almost never an answer for weight loss. Now, it might be an answer for weight loss over time, right? But I would say, so like, think about it like this, you know, when I was doing CrossFit, I would tell people that there is something called the CrossFit 10. And I believe that CrossFit 10 applies to hormone therapy also. When you are deficient, so in the case of CrossFit 10, where you're gaining 10 pounds of muscle, you are deficient in what actually works or doing things hard or whatever stimulus is going to allow your body to build the muscle that you've been lacking over the course of years, right? Same thing with hormones, right? Um, whenever you introduce hormones that you are deficient in, this is this is why the whole discussion related to inflammation drives me nuts. Because if you are not inflamed to a certain extent, um, your body is not healing itself, right? Um, now, there's two different discussions. There is the, hey, Paul, I drank a whole fifth of whiskey and my body's inflamed. Um, that's a little different than the inflation inflammation that I'm talking about with testosterone, right? Um, what you want to be able to do in the way that it was described to me that I think is really helpful is once you start to have testosterone levels, um, that are commensurate to where you are supposed to be as a, as a woman or me as a male. Um, what that does is it takes the protein that you're ingesting and then it bonds and then it potentially heals the muscle that you're breaking down in a stronger way. It makes that muscle more useful. There's so many things about muscle that you could literally do a whole podcast on in terms of muscle fibers and things of this nature, like a great example. When I deadlifted um, 515, I was body fat tested, I want to say within like days, um, not weeks, not months, but days. I had gained fat um much more uh like as an example i gained no muscle right like no muscle in that scenario um it was all fat and then i lost a little bit of muscle so you go well what happened well see this is where having good resources available to you is helpful 
What happened was, is that the muscle fiber that I had was going in a certain direction. And when I changed my, the way that I was training specifically for strength and not necessarily bodybuilding or in that instant crossfitting, what happened was, is my body then made stronger fibers, right? But it didn't make more fibers right? It just used the fibers that it had more efficiently and transformed. Your body's in this state at all times, right? It is right now, right? I can't see who that is that's on the treadmill right now, but that person is currently breaking down tissue, right? And also Heather over here isn't on the treadmill and is also breaking down tissue, right? Your body's in this constant state. And this is why the whole autophagy thing of intermittent fasting is so hilarious because your body's always doing it, especially if you're in a deficit, right? Um, and so muscle fiber, muscle tissue, um, can you spot reduce? We all kind of know at this point that you can't, but what you can do, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of slower process, but you can focus on your back or your glutes or your quads or whatever, and you can move tissue around without necessarily um, adding tissue. Okay. Now the interesting part about that discussion, right. And this was, like I said, this was all pre-hormones um, or pre-testosterone. Once I deadlifted 515, once I had gotten my squat to mid threes, then I moved to a bodybuilding phase. And that is where, you know, the other 20 pounds of muscle started to come in over the last, you know, what, 13 years or so. And so, so it's like this process. So if you think of it, some cardio, some bodybuilding, some strength training. If you move those in cycles, you can do it most efficiently. So then you ask, well, Paul, is that what you're doing now? No, because one, I've already built this good muscle base. I'm perfectly fine where I am right now. Um, and I'm more in the phase where I am just doing what I enjoy um, because that allows me to do that more right um i didn't always enjoy you know going to crossfit in fact uh you know i i love crossfit you know i'm a i'm a big stand for crossfit but it scared the shit out of me every single day i went there you know um because uh you know you're actively looking for change you know, I'm not actively looking for change right now. All my changes are going to be sort of, you know, a little bit, you know, um, incremental, right? And so I think that that's something that we have to consider. But if you're going to go on hormones, and I'm not trying to discourage you from going on hormones. In fact, I, I think for a lot of people, it's a big part of the answer especially if you want to move that tissue around from where you're, you know, where it would be on your waist um, to, you know, your back. I, honestly, I, I don't think a lot of, especially you ladies, you're not going, man, I'm looking for a hot back. Well, 
yeah, you are, because you can work abs all day, but if you don't get your lats built or your traps built or something of this nature, that midsection is not going to tighten up, right? You can't think of it as you have an abs problem. You have to think of it as, one, you might have a fat problem, but two, you probably have a little bit of a muscle issue too. So you have to kind of work all of these things over time. That's sort of where I'm at, right? And uh, Michelle, okay, I, 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 I just hovered over your name. But Michelle's a great example of someone that's probably where I'm at, where most of what she's done up to this point, you know, she's kind of been old, old school, eating form OG. Um, most of what she's done, you know, like the big gains, those aren't coming anymore, right? It's all incremental from here on out. And so you have to kind of figure out where your focus is, is going to be. And then, like I said, you know, don't become so focused on even strength training, bodybuilding. Now you can go into a cycle of two to three months, right? That's sort of what I did to get to, to 515 on my deadlift. I think that period might've been even six months. Um, but after that, I moved to bodybuilding and, and that started the process of building that other 20 pounds of muscle. And so, um, you know, uh, I just got to tell you, you know, as someone that obviously knows how to to get to 7% body fat or 8% body fat, um, you know, I think many women can speak to this, um, you know, 20 to 25% body fat on a woman is probably similar to 10% or 15 on a man. And you know, you can be perfectly fine with how you look in those moments. You know, a lot of a lot of the seven to eight percent stuff that I was pursuing for for probably three to four years, um, that was vanity, you know. And that vanity thing, I mean, you know, I was 255 pounds, <laughs> you know, like like you know, even at 190, you know, I look way different than I did at 255 pounds. And so, you know, if you have a spouse and, and you're not actively pursuing a mate, you know, your incentives for that just aren't as high. Right. Or maybe, maybe shouldn't be, you know, I think, I think one of the things that many of you sort of see after your experiences with Eat to Perform is that your pursuits of those things often were based in things that were superficial and that once you get to eat performing, you start doing it the eat perform way, then you start to have that, that foundation. Last, last thing I'm going to say in, in, this, in this regard, um, before we get into any questions or, or Becky's experience um, is Mediocre effort won't get you great results, right? Um, this is the fallacy of consistency, right? Is you you have a bad plan and you're consistently doing it, and you're thinking that magically, you know, your glutes are just gonna grow or your biceps are gonna be bigger or or whatever. Almost always, 
if you want to see big results, you have to, it's not optional, you have to push things, you know, to their natural conclusion. So let me give you an example, you know, and once again, the best example I have is pickleball. I'm pretty good at pickleball. Most of the people that I play against, I'm better than, you know, 60% of them. But if I want to get much better, I need to have a drilling partner. I need to have a coach. I need to do something more extreme to move from the level that I'm at to the level where I want to go. And I would say that many of you who've not reached goals that you want to reach either spend too much time with that, you know, trust the process nonsense, right? There is a part of the process that you have to kind of go through to sort of make adjustments. I, I think anybody that knows me knows I'm much more a fan of tweak the process. But there's sometimes where the process just needs those like little part things where it's like, boom, boom, right? The process needs to be like drastically changed for you to make drastic adjustments. And then... It can't be a life sentence. Like I said, all of these things have to be seasons in your life that you move on from, right? And and before we get to Becky, the thing that you can't do is attach it to your happiness, right? Because that is the absolute worst thing that you can do for um, your mental health. And if you attach happiness to an aesthetic or getting a mate or, you know, all of these different things, not only will it probably not happen and be more difficult for your mental health, but you won't get that mate. You won't get that or, or, or the person you will attract will be attracted to the miserable person that you've allowed yourself to become, right? You have to chase the right way, you know, and, you know, I've been really interested in, in Marcus Aurelius's meditations and, and uh, I've been following Ryan Holiday, um, the daily stoic. I really think that many of the things that all of us want, some of which, by the way, are going to make you want to chase not being part of each perform, right? Because you're going to realize that much of your unhappiness was not related to your weight or not related to, you know, your physique, you're going to go in a direction of, 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 you know, better mindset, all these things that are positive for you. And, and that's something that, that I fully encourage people to do. You know, we were not set up to be this thing that you be you become dependent on us long term. Like I said, though, between eat to perform meals, between eat to perform health, we now have the full piece of the puzzle. And I think that once you have all those pieces in place, many of you are going to go, okay, now I know how that works. And so if you can then work on that mental piece, that is probably the one you know, coaches can help you, but, you know, there's limits to that, right? Becky, can you speak a little bit? Because I know um, 
I really like you to talk about the well as as comfortable as you can be with your weight fluctuation with inflammation talk related to testosterone right i just think that people um but but not just that like you know um progesterone and all these things most of them have attacks of inflammation that and that inflammation is allowing your body to change to be more of what you wanted it to be. So can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, time out. Um, please get in chat. If you have a question and you desperately want it answered, you got to get it in right now. <laughs> um, my motivation behind getting on uh, hormone replacement therapy had nothing to do with my weight. I, I, did fine doing my fat loss cycles and doing those periodically, just like what our program, because I follow our program, just like I want my clients to do. Uh, my motivation behind doing the testosterone replacement therapy, I'm not on any other therapy because I do still have a cycle. And so my doctor would like to wait on that. And so that's what we're doing. I am reaching menopausal age, but we are trying to wait on that. But so I'm, I do testosterone replacement therapy only. And I will say that it came with some inflammation, but I have the benefit of coaching a lot of people, seeing a lot of files. See, I see what goes on and that probably helps my mental state a little bit better because I know that, you know, I can't live and die by the scale and I need to make sure that that's not my only motivation. And it's not, I haven't been that way for a very long time. Each perform has really helped me in my years. I've been with each perform as a program since 2016. And it has helped my mental state as far as not focusing only on my weight to really, really focus on my life overall. And that is what the hormone replacement therapy did for me. Yes, my weight fluctuates. I do my fat loss cycles surrounded by my, as far as where my testosterone levels are, because I do not do injectable testosterone, which is what Paul does and is what you do through each perform health. Um, it allows the injectables allow you to have a more constant state and versus what I'm doing that my testosterone will fluctuate. Well, because my testosterone fluctuates, then when I get toward the end of my cycle with my testosterone, then that's when I do my fat loss cycles. I do one five-week fat loss cycle in the end of de uh, December, 1st of January every year. I get down to a certain weight. I generally lose about 10 to 12 pounds. I do that at before I re-up for my testosterone. And I do that so that I am working on my resistance training more, focusing more on that when my testosterone is at its highest. And yes, my weight will fluctuate with that because of all of the inflammation, which that, I mean, that comes from just not only the testosterone, but more carbohydrates, working out, things like that. And my weight does fluctuate up some. This last year, I got down um quite a bit in my first fat loss cycle because i had come in way over consuming and i got down about 15 pounds in my first fat loss cycle in january of last year and then i stayed fairly weight stable um until i did my second fat loss cycle in may of last year 
And then I finished that up sometime around mid-June or so. And my weight did fluctuate up about 10 pounds from mid-June until I started fat loss again last week. And but can I can I interrupt and just ask you one question? This is gonna seem like an odd question, but trust me, I have a reason. Um so what is Jeff's thoughts on this? And and I want before we we uh Jeff is Becky's husband. Um and not that Jeff's opinion matters, right? Because I, you know, I, I believe that everybody needs to do everything for themselves, but there is something to, you know, surrounding yourself with positivity, right? Um, and I don't know if Jeff is positive about it or not. Um, and then the other question that I was going to ask you, um, a lot of people will say, well, I don't want to do, you know, a deficit. I, I just want to land at one weight and I want to be there forever, right? To me, that's the biggest myth related to weight loss over time. But more importantly, I think what happens is, is people just kind of create like this prison for themselves at lower calories. And then they end up gaining weight anyway, with no options to do anything about it. So can you speak to, to the Jeff part first and then the, the second part second? Um, as far as my husband is concerned, like, We've been married over 20 years. And to be fair, Paul probably does know the answer because he knows me. But well, my I know husband, Jeff a little. <laughs> <laughs> um, my husband loves me regardless. My husband loved me. I, I've had seven kids. And so my weight has fluctuated a lot through that 20 some odd years. And he has loved me regardless. And none of that matters. He is, he continues to be attracted to me. All of that, that's, that, as far as what my weight does, that has no, no concern for him. He's just, as long as I'm happy, he's happy and he's fine with that. Okay. Once again, it's not, you know, I didn't ask the question for Jeff's happiness. I asked the question because I think we all need to have boundaries on what our mindset is right and so if you are hearing negative image or negative thoughts from people that surround you you either need to help them change their view of that right or or get them out of your life now i'm not suggesting that you should divorce your husband or whatever but I think if you were to explain to that person, you know, and actually, actually, I think many people are much harder on themselves than their spouses are on them. But, you know, every now and again, you say something stupid, you know, men are notorious for that. Um, and, you know, that that can weigh on you. I mean, I was literally talking to my cousin about something that, you know, my wife had said, um, you know, 25 years ago or something like that. And then, you know, I didn't, I didn't even have the heart to bring it up to my wife because I just didn't want to know the answer. And, and turns out I misinterpreted what she said for 25 years. Right. So this is some, these open lines of communication, being supportive of each other, 
working in a positive manner, those things are all super important. But now well, that's more what I meant when I said he does kind of yeah. know the answer because he knows me because I do draw boundaries. And... Well, you have seven kids. <laughs> He's clearly attracted to you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe two I do drag. draw boundaries in my relationships and right. I do have a certain expectation for how people will talk to me and how people will treat me. So he does bring up a valid point that we do. We are responsible for making sure that we surround ourselves with people that we hold to those boundaries and make sure that that leads to a better thinking of ourselves. You know, if I had somebody telling me negative things about myself all the time, then they wouldn't be there. And because my husband loves me, he would never do anything like that anyway, because that speaks to who he is as a person. Well, and the two people that we spend the most time with are second would be spouse. And first is ourselves. Right. And so that's my case for many people having negative thoughts first need to work on themselves, but also need to establish those boundaries. And I also know one thing about Becky um, is she's good at establishing boundaries. Um, uh, so what was the second one that we talked about? Oh yeah. Just constantly being in a deficit with the idea that that's a better way of doing things. Um, well, I mean, it's our program as a whole is against that anyway. And so that's why I hold myself to those two five weeks fat loss cycles. I only do five weeks before anybody before anyone asks because I'm I get very cranky and I don't handle the deficit well. And I am not interested in getting to be the absolute lowest that I can. As everybody knows, I my weight fluctuates right now somewhere between about 210 and about 225 or so. And I'm currently at, it was 221 on the dot this morning. And I'm okay with that. If I stayed this weight for the rest of my life, I would be just fine. But to his point, I wouldn't stay this weight. Just like you just heard me say, my weight fluctuated up between June and uh, December about 10 pounds, 12 I think it got up to 15 at one point, but that was more holiday weight. And then it came right back off. But um, I'm not interested in that lowest weight. I don't want to be at a deficit all the time. I don't care anything about being at my lowest weight of all time. What I want is to be healthy. And that is if I had a an ultimate wish for every single one of our clients, it would be that we could focus more on our overall health and how that contributes to a full life. You know, I have a husband, I have seven kids. We're in the middle of building a house ourselves, which requires a lot of me physically. And I'm 50 years old. I want to be able to do all of those things. I want to be able to chase after my granddaughter. I want to be able to do all of those things. And that contributes to my full life, which I can't do if I stayed at a deficit all the time, because I would be tired. I wouldn't be healthy, things like that. So... I'm going to end on this note. So we haven't had any chat, which means was just totally fine. That happens every now and again. Um, so I want to talk about weight loss medication specific to what you had just said. But I think I think the one thing that, you know, is so special about Becky's relationship with the community um, is I think that she is the best example that we have. I mean, we have a lot of examples, but she's probably the best example 
of loving yourself at any stage, right? Because like you just said, 200, oh my God, you know, 200 is the number that everyone freaks out about, you know? And and the fact that, you know, you, you know, um, it's more about health. It's more about going to the doctor and getting the right results and things of that nature. I think that's such a great example for our community and that that happiness is not a direct result of a specific type of weight, but it's often the result of um, doing what makes you feel most whole and 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 going from there. Um, I do want to add the caveat of weight loss medication. And every now and again, somebody in the community, you know, gets like all worked up about, you know, um, our embracing of weight loss medication. Becky just described it perfectly. When you look at the cycles of eat to perform, why are they what they are? Well, they are what they are because we know where the points of resistance are for people. Over the course of literally working with hundreds of thousands of people, I think we're at about 50,000 people um, that are just like in this app, right? Not even the, the last app. And so we've seen a lot of human behavior. We've made adjustments as we go. But weight loss medication does allow you to get through those periods. Now, is there a cost? Yes, there is a cost. Um, I just saw something on CNN that the FDA is checking into the fact that that you know it's causing suicidal ideation and um, uh, it also causes hair loss. Well, hey FDA, I can tell you why those things are happening. It has nothing to do with the weight loss medication. Those are diet side effects, right? It's well known that eating less than your body requires is taxing on your mental health, which is why we do cycles and not year long, two year long, right? So if, if you want to lose 150 pounds, you're way better off losing it over the course of five years, 30 pounds one year, 30 pounds the next year, right? And just, that's not how it works. You'd probably lose 60 then 30, then 20, 10, 10, right? Something like that. I didn't, don't check my math because I, I wasn't you know, focused on that. Um, but weight loss medication helps with that discomfort, helps with that cranky. It will allow, it, you don't necessarily um, need a super day. I, I still think it applies because your body does adjust to the medication. Um, but it does come at a cost and that cost, <clears throat> um, I was reading something that said 77% as the dose goes up, deal with gastrointestinal issues. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's a hundred percent. It's not, it's not 77% because when you look at the definition of gastrointestinal, you're going to be dealing with something, right? You're going to be dealing with some, uh, acid reflux or, or some, and, and there's always ways to deal with all of these side effects, but the best way to deal with these side effects is, um, to not be on the medication. 
The one thing I think we're going to see five years from now is one, I think the way that we're doing it is going to be, be adopted and you're already seeing that happen, right? Um, the big players in the market, um, they are already weaning people off of the medication. The problem is, is they're weaning people off the medication and asking them to still eat 1200 calories, right? So they still have that part wrong, but at least they have the weaning part right. Because the idea was that this was like heart medication or blood pressure medication or something of that nature. The reality is it's much more like the flu, right? Or a cold or, you know, maybe something that you take medication for for a short period of time so that you can get to maybe a bigger goal. If you're just looking to use 10, lose 10 pounds, you probably don't need weight loss medication for that. But I do struggle with this idea that it's only for people that need to lose 150 pounds. I don't, I don't, not only do I not believe that that's true. Um, I don't believe that that's going to be the use long-term, right? Um, I think that most of you um, that need to lose, let's say 30 pounds. Um, when I say need, you know, there's a qualifier to that. Right. Um, but if, if the goal is to lose 30 pounds and this can help you do that, um, I think that, that it's useful. You know, I also, I think it's 65% of people, um, sit in the BMI requirements right now. You know, it's kind of funny because everybody was against BMI before, right? Because, you know, oh my God, it was this big, huge judgment. Now everyone wants to be over 30, right? So that they can now get on these medications. Um, so I think that that's interesting. Um, you know, we do use compound pharmacies um, for this. I think there's something interesting because there's not a lot of uh, literature out th there on this. When a medication, whether it be, you know, Ozempic in this instance or Wagovi also is in low supply, the FDA, um, shoot, what is the API called? Um, it's like active um, something ingredient. Um, the active ingredient for Wagovi and Ozempic is semaglutide. So when the supplies are low, the manufacturers need to make it available to these pharmacies that compound pharmacies. So it's like they 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 have to supply them with a certain amount of the active agreement ingredient um, to all these pharmacies within the United States. And then those pharmacies can repackage it and then send it to compound pharmacies. Um, what I just said to you, almost nobody knows, right? And um, when you are taking it through a compound pharmacy at a drastically less price than it is for the more branded option, um, you can feel comfortable doing so given the fact that we only use compound pharmacies through our referral. See, I so I have to kind of distance ourselves because it's not us, it's our referral network, right? Um, but our referral network, we would never work with them if they weren't working with reputable um, 
uh, compound pharmacies that are part of this um, bigger alliance. And, and you have to meet a lot of requirements to be part of the the compound pharmacy network that we use so um or the referral network uses so um and i mean let's just be honest here um you know um certainly nova to nordisk uh or however they you know they they would rather have a monopoly you know, and so so there is like this, you know, constant back and forth related to the FDA, um, where I think a lot of people are getting bad information. Like I said, the CNN thing with suicidal ideation, you know, the, these things are all kind of smoke screens for various agendas, you know, related to it. The simple fact is, is ozempic has been on the market. Semaglutide has been on the market for seven years. We know a lot about it. There's been a lot of studies, right, about what it does and what it doesn't do. We as a company know a lot about helping people with the side effects and things of this nature. It's also, in my view, you know, as many people know, um, and as I talked about in Alan Aragon's research review, um, I used it for a month um, before we started with our newest referral network, um, just to see what adjustments that I can make as someone that understands how this stuff works. And um, that was very, very useful. And I think all of you are going to find that useful as well. But um, wanted you to have that information, um, kind of cover all the basic things that we mentioned that the topics would be on. And I appreciate everybody being here. Becky, why don't you say goodbye and then we'll shut it down. Yes, we so appreciate the time that you all are here with us to learn and we appreciate every single one of our clients being here and trusting us with their journey. All righty. Bye now, everyone. Bye.